want to turn your attention to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. We'll not read the whole passage, but um, some other point if you wish to read the entire passage that I will comment on is verses 1 through to 13 of Luke 11. And so can I just have a word of prayer with you before we come to look at these verses. Heavenly Father, we bow before thy holy throne once again. We approach thee through our Lord Jesus Christ, the only mediator between God and men. How thankful we are that thou didst send thy Son to bear away our sin and suffer in our place to redeem us from iniquity and have us become thy people. And we rejoice today that we're privileged to meet in this manner, just to consider the word of God for a few minutes and then go to prayer. We ask, O Lord, that thou wilt come near and touch our hearts. May we know the help of the Holy Spirit as we look at these verses. And so, Lord, hear prayer and abide with us. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. So Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, I'll just read the first couple of verses. And verse 1 says, It came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now the theme of the whole passage that lies here, from verse 1 down to verse 13, is prayer. And as we gather together for the purpose of praying. Uh, I was asking the Lord just to lay in my heart what I should bring before you. I trust as an encouragement to pray and to give some help in prayer. And my mind was turned to these verses. And we notice here to begin with the desire for prayer. And in verse number one, you have that, what really is a prayer in itself, Lord, teach us to pray. We don't know who this disciple is. It says, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. And undoubtedly he was speaking for all of the disciples. And we notice, therefore, that there was a desire in their hearts to pray, to lay hold upon God. And really, with regard to prayer, whether it's private prayer or public prayer, um, the desire to pray is the starting point. There cannot be prayer except the desire is in the heart. That desire, of course, is present as a result of the new birth. And we can see that in many ways in the scriptures, many different references to which we could go. Uh, that the new birth is the fountain out of which the desire to pray actually comes forth. We think of the apostle, well, he was Saul of Tarsus first, as we meet him in scripture, became the apostle Paul, and in Acts 9, 5, as he met with the Lord on the Damascus road, 
he prayed. He said, who art thou, Lord? And then he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? A little later down the chapter in verse 11, we have that comment that was passed on to uh, Ananias. Behold, he prayeth. And so he had been regenerated, this man Saul of Tarsus. I know the whole thing was surrounded by the dramatic and the unusual, but the point is that a principle of new life had been infused into his soul. He was a new man. And undoubtedly, Saul of Tarsus, as a Pharisee, had said his prayers, maybe even as one of those men to whom the Lord refers in the Gospels, standing at the street corner, just to be seen of men. But the day came when he began to pray as a new man, and the desire to pray was in his heart because of the new birth. It is there also because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 4, verse number 6, we read the words that because ye are sons, he has sent forth the Spirit of his Son, into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And so we notice that that the Holy Spirit is the author of prayer. I'll say more about the Spirit in a moment or two, by the help of the Lord. And then taking the passage that lies before us, the desire to pray exists because of the sense of need that will arise in the heart as the Lord exercises us to pray. And that comes out in what you have farther down these verses uh, in the little parable in verses 6, and 7, 8, those verses. You have a parable there, and the parable really emphasizes this matter of the sense of need. The man says in verse number 6, uh, a friend of mine and his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And so the whole parable's uh, thought is that out of a sense of his own need, he goes to his friend at midnight, as verse 5 says, and says, friend, me lend, friend, lend me three loaves. And he confesses, I have nothing to set before him. And brethren and sisters, there's how we need to read our own hearts. As we think about the need all around us in the world, wherever we live, among the unregenerate, among people who are lost and they're everywhere around us, it is true that we have nothing to set before them in and of ourselves. Therefore, we need to go to the Lord and seek him to give us something to give the people who are lost. And he asks for bread, he asks for three loaves, and uh, you can see the thought there of the gospel because the gospel is the bread of life. Christ is the bread of life. And the only um, commodity, so to speak, that will meet the needs of men's hearts is Christ in all his fullness. But the point is, this man had a sense of his own need because of the fact that he felt his own emptiness. I have nothing to set before this man who has come my way. Actually, in verse 6, where it says, a friend of mine, his journey has come to me. The words there could also be read, out of his way, man was lost. And reminds us of the lost, as I say, are all around us. And so the desire for prayer 
It is present when the new birth occurs. It's present because the Holy Spirit is sent into our hearts as we are born again. And then a sense of need is also created in our souls by the Lord so that we go to him. The only one who can meet that need, whatever the need may be, and seek him for the help for that which will enable us to be of benefit to those who are around us who need the Lord. There's the desire for prayer. There's also the disciple of prayer because it says in verse one again, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's an important little detail. The word disciple means one taught or trained. And so we're showing here that uh, discipleship certainly includes the matter of prayer. And so this man actually says, Lord, teach us to pray. We need teaching, need instruction as we come to pray. Never mind any other spiritual uh, matter, any other aspect of our spiritual lives. We're in constant need of teaching. And certainly that is true when it comes to prayer. Uh, we need the Lord to teach us to pray to guide us in prayer. That means that we need a teachable spirit. Obviously, this man had a teachable spirit within him. He wants to be taught to pray, and therefore, that's the evidence that he had within him, the right attitude, the right spirit. And, you know, if we know our own hearts, brothers and sisters, we realize that we cannot pray as we ought. I, I brought you to that verse the last time I spoke, the first time I spoke, which was the last time in, uh, in Romans 8, 26, where uh, we have those words, we cannot pray as we ought. And there's never a time when we come before the Lord, as we know our own hearts, we know our own frailties and our wants and all of the different deficiencies that are in our spiritual lives that we don't need to say to the Lord, Lord, teach us to pray, because we are so deficient, so lacking, and I'm sure you feel that. Prayer actually, in many, many ways, and I believe perhaps more than the other spiritual exercise, prayer is the most difficult matter in which to engage. The devil doesn't want us to pray. Our own flesh will resist prayer. There's so many things that go on in our lives that would hinder us in prayer and how we need the Lord to teach us to pray. And therefore, you have the disciple of prayer. This man is a disciple already. Whoever he is, we don't know his name, but uh, he wants to pray. So he comes and he asks to be taught to pray. And, you know, there he is in the school of prayer because he's with the Lord. And he's, as it were, he's at Jesus' feet. And as he finds himself in that atmosphere and in that environment, oh, how his soul rises up with this tremendous uh, request, Lord, teach us to pray. The development of prayer is also here. These men, as I say, were already disciples. That means that prayer was not something new to them, but they wished to develop in their prayer lives. They, they longed for a deeper, richer experience uh, with regard to this matter, this ministry of prayer. And, you know, 
what you really find here is they want it to be like Christ in the place of prayer. Now, that must have been a tremendous experience to be with the Lord. It says in this first verse, he was in a certain place, he was praying, and they were with him. And so there they are, and they're listening to the Lord pray, and they're, they're, um, they're in the school of prayer in a wonderful way uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they catch a glimpse of the great high priest. That's who he is as he intercedes. And we might wonder, what did the Lord pray that day? Uh, we're not told, but, you know, our hearts wonder, what did he actually pray? But whatever he prayed caught their attention. The manner of it, the words he would have used, the petitions that he would have offered as our great high priest. That's the way to see the Lord Jesus Christ when it comes to prayer. He is the great high priest. And the work of the priest in scripture was twofold, to offer sacrifice and to pray. And the Lord, of course, was on his way to the cross to die, to offer himself as the sacrifice for sin. But he also interceded and he's interceding here. And so in terms of prayer, this uh, Christ-likeness is something just to think about. And what really struck me about this was, as the Lord prayed and the disciples here, uh, through their, their one companion, whoever he was, again, I say, they want to develop in prayer. But as the Lord prayed, he prayed as one who was full of the Holy Ghost. The Lord was filled with the Spirit without measure, as we're told in John's Gospel. And there's, it's undoubtedly true that as he was praying here, he was full of the Holy Ghost. And that is the, that is the issue that we want to think about. This development of prayer is possible to us as we are um, led by the Spirit. And the Holy Ghost is the one who will give us the thoughts, the petitions, the, the very issues over which we are to intercede before God. And so Christ here is in the place of prayer. These disciples, they want to develop in their own prayer lives. And the point is, and I trust you want to develop in your prayer life as, as we all should. And it will come about as we are uh, guided by the Spirit of God. And he will lead us out at the throne of grace. There's the direction in prayer. The Lord gave him direction in prayer. Verses 2 to 4. Uh, those verses contain what we often call the Lord's Prayer. But, you know, it's not really the Lord's Prayer. Um, it was given by Christ as a direction or a, a pattern for all prayer. And, of course, there's too much there for me to even try to open up to you today. But we're familiar with these words. There's the matter of reverence. Starts out, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And there's a matter of our own submission to the Lord. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. And there's a matter, of course, of our actual requests. Uh, forgive us our sins, etc., etc., right through to the close. And so here's direction in prayer. And let me say to you today, dear people, if we come before the Lord 
with that desire I mentioned and that longing to be taught to pray as disciples and to develop our prayer life, the Lord will not fail us. And what you have in verses 3 to 4 is Christ's response, is Christ's answer. He said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he's teaching them to pray. And what we, I say, it's really the disciples' prayer. It's not the Lord's prayer. It's what the Lord tells us to bring in terms of a of um, a framework for prayer as we seek the face of God. So there's, a, there's direction in prayer. And then the rest of the passage from verse 5 right through to 13 is diligence in prayer. Because what you see there is this matter, I've already mentioned the little parable, and the outcome of what he said in that parable is then brought before you in verse 9. I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you, etc. And so asking, seeking, knocking, what is that? That's diligence. That's praying and keeping at it and seeking the face of God as we need to do. And I'm sure that you sense the need uh, that I've already mentioned. There are needs in all of your hearts now. You wouldn't be here in on this Zoom prayer meeting if you did not have deep down in your souls longings and yearnings that you want to pour out to God. And I encourage you today just to keep on praying, keep on asking, seeking and knocking. The Lord will hear, the Lord will work, the Lord will move as we need to see him move in our day and time. So I leave this with you today as, uh, I trust, a help for, your, for the time of prayer. And may the Lord be with all of us as we seek him in these days.